Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Alex Castillo-Smith. Thank you for joining us for today's uh, COVID-19 press update. Uh, we have a lot of material to cover, and I'm joined by my colleague, Secretary David Grace with the Department of Human Services, and Secretary Tracy Collins with the Department of Health. After they share their updates with all of us today, I'll facilitate Q&A with our media partners. And with that, I will turn over to you, Secretary Collins. Thank you, Alex. Good afternoon. Let's get started with our COVID update. So thus far, 67.6% of New Mexicans have received at least a first shot and nearly 59% are fully vaccinated. We need 21,307 boosters or J&J &J shots to go before we hit 60%. So as you all know, or hopefully know, we're aiming for 60% and it's up to each of us to make this happen. And when we reach that 60%, we will graduate from the red, yellow, green, turquoise county color system. Please keep in mind that native communities are sovereign and may operate according to different guidelines. So exciting this week, we are really pushing to get boosters or J&J &J doses, shots in arms. And aside from the incentives this week, anyone in New Mexico with at least one shot is eligible for Vax to the Max sweepstakes. You need to register at vaxtothemaxnm.org. And I do want to remind you that the, the first drawing is on Friday of this week. And here's an example of a wheel. And so we have these available at 10 sites each week where you can spin the wheel and win some fabulous prize. So again, if you need support getting scheduled for a vaccine or registered for the sweepstakes, you can call 1-855-600-3453 and for seniors and those with disabilities, you can call 1-800-432-2080. That's 1-800-432-2080. So I really wanna thank you, New Mexicans, for contributing to this life-saving vaccination campaign so far. Many, many thanks. I'd like to spend a few minutes discussing some of the COVID-19 vaccine myths or misinformation. And we're gonna review some of the things like people asking, can receiving the vaccine cause me to be magnetic? After getting the vaccine, will I test positive for COVID on a viral test? Is it safe to get COVID-19 vaccine if I'd like to have a baby someday? So let's move forward and discuss these myths. So in regards to can receiving a COVID-19 vaccine cause me to be magnetic? No. COVID-19 vaccines do not contain ingredients producing electromagnetic fields. All vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines are free from metals such as iron, lithium, alloys, and the typical dose for COVID-19 vaccine is less than a milliliter, which is not enough to allow magnets to be attracted to your vaccination site, even if vaccine was filled with magnetic metal, which it is not. Do any COVID-19 vaccines authorized for use in the US shed or release any of their components? The answer to this myth is no. Vaccine shedding can only occur with live virus. None of the vaccines authorized for use in the US contain live virus. None of the COVID-19 vaccines. Next myth, will a COVID-19 vaccine alter my DNA? No. 
COVID-19 vaccines do not change or interact with your DNA in any way. Genetic material never enters the nucleus of our cells, which is where our DNA is kept. So meaning genetic material in vaccines cannot affect or interact with our DNA in any way. Next myth, after getting vaccine, will I test positive for COVID-19 on the viral test? No, none of the authorized COVID-19 vaccines for use in the US cause you to test positive on the viral test, which are used to see if you have a current infection. If your body develops an immune response to the vaccination, which is the goal, you may test positive on some antibody test. Can a COVID-19 vaccine make me sick with COVID-19? No. None of the authorized COVID-19 vaccines can make you sick with COVID-19. The vaccines teach our immune systems how to recognize and fight the virus that causes COVID-19. Sometimes this process can cause symptoms such as fever. These symptoms are normal and they're a sign that your body is building protection. Please note, it typically takes a few weeks for the body to build immunity after vaccination. Because of that, it's possible that a person could be infected with the virus that causes COVID-19 just before or just after vaccination and still get sick because the vaccine has not had enough time to provide protection. Can being near someone who received a COVID-19 vaccine affect my menstrual cycle? No. Your menstrual cycle cannot be affected by being near someone who received a COVID-19 vaccine. Many things that can affect your menstrual cycle, including stress, changes in your schedule, problems with sleep, and changes in your diet or exercise. And infections themselves may also affect your menstrual cycles. Is it safe to get COVID-19 vaccine if I would like to have a baby one day? Yes. There's currently no evidence that COVID-19 vaccination causes any problems with pregnancy, including the development of the placenta. There's no evidence of fertility problems or side effects from the vaccine, including the COVID-19 vaccine. So like all vaccines, scientists are studying COVID-19 carefully, the vaccine for side effects now, and they will continue to study them for many years. And I get to turn it over now to Dr. Sprace. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tracy, and uh, congratulations on the excellent progress uh, now that we're getting close and now that the first sweepstakes drawing is coming up this week, people are going on to the New Mexico vaccine uh, vaxviewnm.org site to make sure that their data is fully in the system. So this is absolutely great news. We love that you're helping us check the data. We love that you help that you're helping confirm that you're in there. Uh, and we're hearing a number of things. One is um, that people are getting texts from DOH saying, hey, you're due for the vaccine. But in reality, you've already gotten the vaccine. Uh, that's one. And, and you're, what you're going to find out is the instructions for all of these things are exactly the same. And I'll get to them in a minute. The second one is I registered for my online vaccine appointment using my nickname. And I want to follow up to make sure I, the state's properly captured my vaccine. That's uh, <clears throat> common. You know, if I'd gotten my first vaccine as Dave's Grace, which I don't go by, by the way, and my second is David's Grace, uh, I would be listed as having two separate individual vaccines, but not that whole series. And so there are some duplicates in there. We're weeding through those now. 
but check check online. Uh, the next one is one that happened to me. I went online to the vaxview.org, vaxunm.org website to look myself up and I couldn't find my COVID vaccine record. And I, I do have a little extra advice on this one because you can call for help, but it turns out that I had to go and try different phone numbers. It just said there was no record available, but when I actually came up with the correct combination of my name and birthday, which I was really clear on those two, but the correct email and the correct phone number that I used to register, then I was able to see my record and print it out. You can see my COVID vaccines maybe there near the bottom. And so this is what we're trying to get to and help you get to. So you have a record. You can also use this traveling or if there is, you get somewhere where you need a proof of your vaccination record, this will serve you well. And then the last one is I got one or both vaccines out of state, but New Mexico doesn't have my records. Uh, and so for all of these things, including the one I said, if you try different emails and it doesn't work or phone numbers, uh, you want to take a picture on your phone uh, or with another device of your vaccine card and email it to DOH COVID vaccines at statenm.us. You can see the address there. If you don't have your vaccine card, which should have your name, by the way, and date of birth on it, then just email your, your full name, your date of birth, and they will respond. They're working through that queue right now. <clears throat> so you do know there are vaccines that were provided through the federal system. So if you got a vaccine at IHS or a correctional facility, or even at a major pharmaceutical chain in New Mexico, that data may have been provided, that, that, that vaccine may have been provided by the federal government. You're in the federal system, not the state system, which is why we have two ways of counting on our website. We have the state system and the federal system, and we add them together. Finding out if you're in the federal system is a little bit more complicated than the state system because we don't have access to the federal line list data, but there are ways we can do that to contact your provider, or you can contact the person who provided you the vaccine and ask for that information from them because they do have access to that. And then lastly, you can always call. It's easier to do it online uh, with the first week stakes coming up. We've had a little bit of a rush of calls, which is good, again, because we want the data to be perfect in the system. We want you to be counted. We'd like all the New Mexicans who really want to be counted in part of the, as part of this real movement that we've got going here to defeat the virus in our state. So uh, please help us check out your records, see if you can pr print it. Let us know if you can't. Uh, and remember, if you don't see anything in there, it could be that you're in the federal database system. So I got some calls and talked to some reporters yesterday about is this really a good idea to provide incentives, to give people money uh, to, uh, you know, go get the vaccine now. I mean, there are people out there who are saying, hey, you know, I went and got my vaccine first thing. And why are people getting money now to do that? I didn't get $100. And so uh, let me just walk through how we're thinking about that so you know, and we're happy to take more questions about this. But first, so you know, we've allocated $2.7 million from the federal American Rescue Plan from the funding they give us for this $100 vaccine incentive. Uh, the cost of the pandemic through the fall of 2021, and this is an estimate in the Journal of the Medical American Medical Association, 
is $16 trillion. And so uh, New Mexico uh, would be, uh, uh, you know, a half of 1% of that, but that's still like, you know, somewhere in the, in, in the multi-billion dollar, uh, many, billi- many billions of dollars. And so investing to get more people vaccinated to turn the tide on uh, the pandemic, to reopen our state, to rebuild the economy, to rejuvenate the economy. We think it's a small price to pay. Remember, uh, too, that, uh, you know, getting hospitalized with COVID costs an awful, awful lot more than the $100 reward we're giving. And we know that we can dramatically reduce hospitalizations from COVID by a factor of uh, um, more than 10. I'll show you that in a minute. Uh, Also, the $100 for some people, we have people who work seven days a week, um, you know, 12 hours a day when we did surveys to find out why people weren't vaccinated. One of the number one reasons was I can't take time off work to go get the vaccine. So this gives people money to cover that time they take off to get the vaccine and uh, and complete their, you know, complete their vaccination series, which is what we're pushing for this week. Remember, too, that just like the stimulus payments ended up going back into the New Mexico economy, this hundred dollars will again go back into our economy here. And then two more things. Every New Mexican who completes their vaccination series protects every other New Mexican and lowers all of our chances from a COVID infection, another COVID infection, a hospitalization or a death. And lastly, and this is what I'm getting to, we believe this is a smart investment and and these work. I'm only gonna show you six days of data on the next slide, Alex, Go, you can go to that. But I think you'll see in the first three days of the past uh, <clears throat> seven days, um, the numbers of boosters and J&Js that were given and the number of booster appointments and J&J that were scheduled You can see what happened on the 14th, 15th, and 16th. That includes today. And uh, you can see just in that period from when we released that marketing campaign on Sunday evening, there's been a 30% increase in people coming in and getting boosters. Five times as many people are coming in to get their J&J and scheduling appointments, uh, uh, 75, almost 75% increase in boosters being scheduled and a really dramatic, almost not an eight to nine times as many people, uh, actually nine times as many people, because that's a percent increase over hundred percent. So nine times as many people scheduling. So, so far, very small amount of data, three days before, three days after, we really think we have good evidence that this is working. And we'll take time in the coming weeks when we get more data to project out what we, th- we, pr- we predict the savings will be as a result of vaccinating these individual people. But our belief is that they're the right thing to do and that they do work. Uh, I wanted to talk, you know, last time I talked a little bit about the two pandemics. I might talk today about the three pandemics, but I said last time there's two pandemics, the one amongst the unvaccinated and the ones that's almost done. And the one, sorry, the one amongst the vaccinated individuals and that one's almost over and the one amongst unvaccinated people that will continue on. And this is an interesting data plot from the Washington Post where they, on the bottom axis there, uh, you have uh, in the lower left, fewer vaccinations and toward the right, more vaccinations. And on the Y axis, the left axis there, on the bottom, it's less cases and more cases. 
I drew in that green dotted line just to illustrate this on top of what the uh, Washington Post did. Alex highlighted us and our neighbors, but you can see that the more, the higher the vaccination percentage in a state, the lower the number of cases per 100,000 uh, there are. So percent vaccinations going up reduces cases per 100,000. And boy, we sure have seen that here in New Mexico. The next slide is from our modeling team yesterday from the Los Alamos National Lab. I always like to thank the Los Alamos National Lab folks who have just done an amazing job supporting New Mexico during the pandemic. They have their own little dotted line in there, but it's generally exactly the same graph in the counties with uh, higher vaccination rates are down in the lower right with Los Alamos and McKinley in the lead as of June 1st. And you uh, can see that higher counties toward the uh, right side there, Otero and Torrance are overlapping each other, but the others there with uh, lower vaccination rates and much higher case counts. So what's true in the United States is true in New Mexico as well. Vaccinations work, they're effective. They are our main weapon to defeat uh, the spread of the virus. Uh, and just to give you an updated version of this through the end of May, we have full five months of data. The, uh, the, the case rate, uh, the number of cases actually among fully vaccinated, uh, uh, of not fully vaccinated people actually, sorry, I'll go there first, has been over 3,200, where we've only had 212 cases in, uh, uh, in uh, fully vaccinated individuals. I think these are averages per month. And you can see hospitalization rates mortality rates. And I just want to talk about the, the right-hand column. Basically what that right-hand column says is if you are unvaccinated, you're 15 times more likely to get COVID than a vaccinated person these days. If you are vaccinated, you, sorry, if you're unvaccinated, you're 10 times more likely to be hospitalized than if you, uh, than if you've been vaccinated and completed that series and if you are unvaccinated, you're 24, 24 times more likely to die from a coronavirus infection than if you are vaccinated. And uh, we've gone through deep, more details on this in the past. I won't do that today, uh, but we continue to follow this very closely. And as a team, we review this every couple of weeks and the trend keeps getting uh, actually wider as time goes on. Uh, I wanna talk about variants a little bit, a lot, a lot in the news over the past week on the Delta variant. And so first, I wanna let you know that we've switched the way things we're calling the vaccines, uh, sorry, that we're calling the variants, we've switched the names. We're going to the Greek, Greek alphabet. We're no longer naming them after the country of origin because that's not always clear. And, uh, and it also sort of, uh, we don't wanna stig stigmatize a country where a virus occurred. So. What we used to call the UK variant, last time I'll say it, or B117, is now alpha and the B16172. Thank goodness we have a new name for that. That's the Delta variant. Uh, that's what I'll be calling it from now on. Uh, the, these We do worry about these. The alpha variant is more likely to uh, spread, twice as likely to spread. And now scientists are saying that the, the Delta variant could be up to eight times more likely to spread. This table just shows the update on our variant analysis in New Mexico. Still uh, overwhelming number 
of cases in our sample are the alpha variant. Uh, you can see that over 70% here. It keeps going up every uh, week by just a little bit. It's kind of leveling off now. We have seen some Delta variant cases here in New Mexico cause of great concern. The Delta variant has been upgraded from a variant of interest to a variant of concern. And I'm gonna show you, if you wanna see a graph of concern, I'm gonna show you that in a minute. But what we're seeing in New Mexico basically tends to lag national data because these variants show up more in locations with international airports first, but then of course with travel, eventually come to New Mexico as well. The next slide, Alex, is uh, uh, an article we presented to physicians yesterday about the uh, Delta variant. And uh, this are, these are the percent of cases in India that occurred over time. And I have never seen the spread of anything go as rapidly. And Alex, if you can point to that blue curve on the right, that is how long it took the India, or the, sorry, the Delta variant to take over in India, uh, just like almost overnight. And people project that we could see that variant take over in the United States uh, within a matter of uh, four to eight weeks uh, once it takes significant foothold. So two things we need to know. Number one is the more our population is vaccinated in general, the more resistant we are to the spread of these more spreadable variants. That's really important. And why we push so hard to get completed vaccination series done. But there's even more compelling evidence, like by far, I think the best and most compelling evidence of why you ought to get that second shot if you're out there today sitting with only one shot um, in your body. And so if you look at the table below, this is data we have on the Pfizer vaccine. We expect to see similar results with Moderna and we don't have data yet on, uh, on the J&J uh, &J vaccine in this regard. But look at this is, as, as you remember, the Pfizer vaccine in America, 95% effective for people 16 and over. And, and it turns out now 100% effective for uh, kids 12 to 15. And so you can see if you've had one shot of the Pfizer vaccine, uh, you know, it, you have about a, and you're exposed, you, it, the effectiveness is reduced by 50%. You're 50% more likely to be infected. But with two shots, you're very close to that 95%, 93.4. And that's for the alpha variant that we've been talking about that's 70% of New Mexico. But this Delta variant with that steep, steep curve on the right, the effectiveness of one vaccine, only 33%, uh, two vaccines, 87.9. If I happened to be sitting at home listening to me talk right now and saw that data and I only had one vaccine, I would actually open another window and go to the NM uh, vaccine site and make sure I was registered figure out how to get that second vaccine tomorrow. I would not wait any longer. And I, you know, I try not to sound uh, overly dramatic about things like this. I try to be the reasoned sort of middle of the road science guy. This is a dramatic science thing. This really we should be paying attention to. And if you have people in your family who are also have only had one of the two uh, vaccines, please encourage them to get them. We don't know the increased, we know the increased spread rate, I mentioned much, much higher 
with the Delta variant. We don't know hospitalizations and deaths yet, uh, but I'm, more, I'm very concerned that they will be higher as well. Okay, so that's the end of my uh, uh, encouragement to all of you to sign up for that second shot this week. And we're just going to go back to the usual stuff David does on these press conferences, um, the epi curve, that top curve being the whole state and the number of cases total per day, averaged over seven days with a six-day lag since the very beginning of the pandemic. And we are actually, folks, at 91 at a place we haven't been since April of last year. We briefly almost got there in September, but at 91, we're back to the beginning of the pandemic levels. And this is in large part, I think in great, great part, due to the combination of public health measures, contact tracing, and of course the new and very, very effective vaccination that many of us are getting, and hopefully all of us will. We're back up to vaccinating 60 people a day for every single case per day. And that's a wonderful formula for continued success. We hope to keep that up. The next slide will show you the uh, gating criteria, which are all uh, doing, doing great, all seven clearly meeting it, and some with best ever uh, performance. Great job by our contact tracing team at DOH in both isolating cases and quarantining contacts. Hospitals are actually quite full right now here in New Mexico, but not with COVID cases as much. And so uh, we're, uh, we do have that ability to expand ICU beds a little bit, but the hospitals in general at baseline are full. And remember, they normally have 290 ICU beds uh, across the state uh, in our hub hospitals. I'm not going to spend any time on the red, yellow, green, turquoise uh, framework. It's turquoise. Everyone's turquoise. If you do look at the fine print on the right, you will find counties that don't meet the criteria of having case rates less than 10 or test positivity rates less than 7.5 or vaccination rates above uh, 55%. You will see, however, that um, uh, there's... Plenty of those counties actually meet the other two of the three, which would have kept them turquoise anyway. But still, you know, um, if you're in a, a county where there's a high case rate, high test rate, encourage, uh, be careful, uh, be more cautious and encourage family and friends to get tested if they have symptoms. And please, please don't go to work if you're not feeling perfectly well. And, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning, the third pandemic, and, you know, I'm Probably some of you are thinking, is Secretary Scrace just going to keep inventing pandemics to uh, keep these press conferences going forever? And I think, I promise, no, I don't think I'll have a fourth one here. But, you know, there's the pandemic among the, uh, among the vaccinated, which is almost over, among the unvaccinated, where we're seeing rates of infection increase. There's also the economic pandemic that we're trying to get us all vaccinated to get out of. But I did want to just highlight uh, this is uh, some work that's being done in the Human Services Department. Just since the beginning of the year, we have provided over 200 million uh, meals, money for people to buy 200 million meals in the state. Just in, uh, this is really just a five and a half month period. We've provided health coverage for almost 930,000 individuals. We're providing shelter and cash assistance to the poorest of the poor in New Mexico, and also have an ongoing heating and cooling uh, energy assistance program. 
There's also a rental assistance program, an energy assistance program out there that can provide additional relief that we've talked about before through our, uh, our state finance, uh, Department of Finance Administration. Uh, we're, we're working with them to get the word out there. We're working with our Medicaid program. We've just done a great job. We've sent over a million messages to New Mexicans through the Medicaid program this week about vaccination incentives and about the need to complete vaccinations. And I think we're hitting our stride in really serving uh, the New Mexico population here in a, just a wonderful way. I will say that unwinding this pandemic is going to be complicated. Moving people off of the assistance they've received during the pandemic to not having it is gonna be complex. We're still working with the federal government on the rules for that. It's going to happen you know, uh, the the public health state of emergency declared by the federal government, we've been told, will officially last until December 31st, but then we'll have a six-month wind down after that to move people uh, back into the place where it's appropriate. Hopefully, we'll be able to help a lot of people find work. But I just want to remind people of that economic aspect. You know, we uh, Secretary Collins has brought the wonderful perspective on the social vulnerability index. New Mexico has the most vulnerable population in the United States. And this, these kind of support programs are critical for getting folks through this pandemic. You'll also remember, I haven't shown the slide in a while, that initially you were 10 times more likely to be infected with coronavirus, two and a half times more likely to, and then through the pandemic, two and a half times more likely to be hospitalized or to die if you lived in a low income area than a high income area. So that's one pandemic that was with us before coronavirus that will be with us afterwards and we're working hard to solve. And with that, I think I've got my usual closing slide, get registered, please get vaccinated this week. We really wanna meet our target. We really wanna reopen the economy. Note that these variants are spreading, uh, the, known, the known numbers are two times more rapidly for alpha, up to eight times more rapidly for delta. Uh, they might resist treatments. So if you are sick, you have symptoms or any reason to worry you might have acquired COVID, get tested still. If you get COVID, find out about the right monoclonal antibody treatment. And we all need to keep fighting this virus and getting vaccinated uh, through the summer. And we have those that usual advice here. And I think with that, I'm gonna turn it back over to you, Alex, to take questions from the media. Thank you, secretaries. Okay, so this is an opportunity for our media partners to raise their hand and let me know that they'd like to ask a question. And so first, let's do KRQE. Um, can you identify yourself by name, please, before you ask your question? Hey there, this is uh, Chris McKee over at KRQE News 13. How you guys doing? Uh, thank you for uh, taking the question. Um, I wanted to ask about just sort of where we're at of course april 28th the governor held that news conference saying saying basically we're aiming for june 30th kind of the end of the month uh, i think the slide said in nine weeks we're open now kind of from what we're seeing calculation wise based on what the vaccine uh dashboard has sort of put out there in that data we sort of saw that the state needed about 9,000 people a day this week by till through about Thursday, I think it was, to get to that mark. So I know you guys shared that number earlier on, but I guess simply put, the point that, that I wanted to ask about was, 
are we going to make it? Are, are, is the sort of vaccination data and how many people are getting fully vaccinated, is New Mexico set to reopen by the end of June, by June 30th, like what we were aiming for in April? Thank you, Chris. We are diligently working to achieve that goal and we can have more updates for you at the end of the week, but we are definitely working towards that. Do you have any concerns we may not meet it um, and have those rates of sort of vaccination been what you guys are hoping for this week? I'm not concerned at this point, but I am keeping my eye on the data. I think I think I would just add to Secretary Collins, you know, we have good data that the incentives are working. I think they're they are kicking in. We're seeing an ascent every day in appointments and vaccines sought. I think people are uh, taking a very pragmatic approach and and uh, going after the J&J &J vaccine, which provides great protection, uh, very effective as a one shot way of being fully vaccinated. We appreciate that as well. So we are really, really focused on this. And I don't know about Tracy, but I, I think we're both working 28 to 30 hours a day to get to that goal. At least. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Next will be Selena Madrid with KFOX followed by Stella Sun with KOAT, and then Matthew Reichbach with New Mexico Political Report. Uh, Selena, go ahead, please, with your question. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for allowing us to ask these questions today. New Mexico is nearing 60% of the population being fully vaccinated. In Texas, that number is 46%, and it's fully reopened. Yet on Monday, Governor Greg Abbott said the state reported its lowest seven-day positivity rate since the beginning of the pandemic. Why is New Mexico still waiting to reopen the state despite every county turquoise and the majority of residents already being vaccinated? Why is this state one of the last to reopen? Well, I can start on that one, uh, Selena. Uh, I think basically the reason is we're not using Texas data to decide what's best for New Mexicans. You know, I mentioned earlier, we have the highest social vulnerability index in America. Poverty amongst older people in New Mexico is number one in America. Amongst all ages is number two or three. We have a lot of social vulnerability. Since the very beginning, uh, we have used New Mexico data for cases. The modeling from Presbyterian and Lanol have been essential, and we're making our decisions based on what we believe is really safest and best. So I don't really think, I mean, there's always going to be a state that's more open. And I, you know, I can't really speak to the accuracy of the data of Texas, or I, I don't believe that necessarily being reopened caused case rates to be low. And so uh, I just, we're doing what's best for New Mexicans. We have done that from day one. We'll continue to do that. We think we're doing the right thing. And I would say to everyone who asked the question today too, like if you're not vaccinated, be sure to get vaccinated. Thank you. Uh, Stella, go ahead with your question, please. Hey, thanks so much for holding it. I appreciate it. Stella Sun with KOAT. Um, when I spoke with the Deputy Secretary, Dr. Laura Patajon on Monday, she told me that there was more than 150,000 New Mexicans who were eligible this week for their second dose. So if uh, essentially a fifth of those people of the 150,000 went back to get their second dose, we would be hitting that 60% threshold. How many 
or let me reword that. Basically, how many people are eligible for their second dose of the vaccine this week and can go back now to get it so we can hit that 60% threshold? Does that make sense? It does. So, Stella, we have about 85,000 folks who are eligible for that second shot. And so we are working diligently to reach out to everyone to encourage them to get their booster. And if they're not eligible for a booster, have not been vaccinated, please consider J&J. Just get vaccinated is really the message. And as an added bonus, I'd like to throw in one little thing. Normally we think about the eligibility for the second vaccine being on the 21st day after the first for Pfizer and on the 28th day after the first vaccine for Moderna. But if you're sitting out there and really want to be in the sweepstakes and you still got four days to go until you're eligible, the CDC actually issued guidance in January that allows people to get for that window to start four days earlier. So it's 17 days for Pfizer. It's 24 days for Moderna. And and Secretary Secretary Collins is exactly right. Uh, If you haven't had either vaccine, then J&J, I think for many people, is the way to go if you want to participate in the sweepstakes or or get that bonus. Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to add thank you so much for that, David, that even if you're beyond the 42 days, that you can still get your second shot. So you're still eligible. And also the sweepstakes, it's opened up to anyone with at least one shot. So you have an opportunity to actually win a lot of money by having one shot in New Mexico. So get to the website, opt in, and enter the sweepstakes. Thank you, everyone. Matthew, go ahead, please. I heard that the state is calling to ask those who received vaccinations out of state to confirm their details uh, with their vaccination card by, uh, you know, email, like you said or, or earlier. Um, do you have any sense of how many New Mexicans received vaccinations from neighboring states? You know, it's a great question. And we have some estimates, but we're still looking at the data to confirm. So we are actually reviewing that now. So I appreciate the question. Next will be Jeff Plant with Silver City Daily Press, followed by Juno Ogle with the Roswell Daily Record, and then Dan McKay with the Albuquerque Journal. Jeff, go ahead. Uh, thanks. Hello, secretaries. I wanted to ask uh, uh, about the uh, the tale of two pandemics. Um, there's vaxxed and unvaxxed folks, uh, but we all, we're all in this together. We all work together. We hang out together. Uh, some share households together. I mean, realistically, I think we can look around and see that not uh, not everybody who's unvaccinated is wearing a mask and taking the precautions that we used to. Um, how do you suggest people deal with that at work, for example, uh, or in their own households? Nobody wants to be responsible for infecting someone with the coronavirus. And uh, is that is that really a risk if you know, unvaccinated folks are working amongst vaccinated folks. What's the what's the reality there? Also, why are hospitals full? Okay, uh, great questions. And uh, let me just write them down so I remember both, Jeff, so I don't forget the second question. I'll start, uh, if you're, that's okay with you, uh, Tracy. Um, you know, I think it, I appreciate the question because there's something we probably both wanted to say earlier that we do want to say today, and that is, you know, uh, regardless of the masking guidelines, uh, you know, for vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals from the CDC, <clears throat> tribes, Tracy already mentioned, but every single business 
has the right to set their own rules. And so I know I carry a mask with me, even though I'm vaccinated, and if, and I wear it from my car to wherever I'm going. If there's a sign on the door that says you can't come in here unless you have a mask, uh, I leave it on. And if there isn't, then uh, depending on the situation, I usually take it off. I think that the main risk really, Jeff, is unvaccinated people vaccinating other unvaccinated people of the spread of the disease. And it, particularly if you take out people with immune disorders who've been vaccinated, the vast, you know, over 99% of those transmissions will be from unvaccinated people to other unvaccinated people. And so I think the CDC guidelines, at least in theory, cover the question you're raising and would, would say that, you know, really uh, indoors in particular, where I have my greatest concerns uh, for the people in New Mexico, indoors vaccinated people are still expected to wear masks other than in their home. And so I think that should give us the best edge on things. I think the other thing is once you're once you're inside that building or room or restaurant or whatever it is, the higher the percentage of people that are vaccinated, the lower the chance of transmission from one unvaccinated person to another. So, and then the last question, which you didn't come right out and ask, and uh, but you might be asking is like, well, if I am vaccinated, like, are there times I should be wearing a mask, and there are other times when I shouldn't? And you know, the CDC guidance gives us freedom. But I have a little voice inside my head. And if I start feeling uncomfortable in a situation or it's a little bit too crowded for my tastes or uh, I just get this sense that, you know, it might not be the safest thing, I just take that mask out of my pocket and pop it on. Anything else on that one before I go into the hospitals, Tracy? No, I think you covered it very well. Okay, thanks. And then the, on the hospitals, why are the hospitals full? So the main reason hospitals in New Mexico are full is that we don't have as many hospital beds per person or per 100,000 people as most states do. We're in the bottom five, 10%, or sorry, bottom 10% of states, uh, particularly for ICU beds, bottom 20% for hospital beds in general. So we're starting out with a lower capacity. Second thing, and we don't have really good data on this, but the, what we do have good data on is the major health systems that I meet with every week on the mat are telling me that their case mix index, which is a numeric average of how some how sick someone actually is, how sick the average patient is who gets admitted to the hospital is the highest it's ever been. So that's data we do have, and that the people who are in the hospital these days are much sicker. And that's actually amongst the uh, people without COVID. Uh, of course, the people with COVID, we already know, are very sick if they end up in the hospital. And so the theory, and this is a theory, uh, but you know, I trust these people, they've run healthcare institutions, they're experts at what they do, but what they believe they're seeing is a lot of people admitted for the downstream complications of delayed care, lack of keeping that diabetes under as good control as they might've otherwise done it, lack of regular checkups for their heart disease and seeing their primary care doctor or their cardiologist to make sure everything is on track. And I could I could give you a really long list. And so I've been like a broken record at these press conferences, encouraging people to get caught up on that care. I know anecdotally, again, the plural of anecdote is not data, but anecdotally, my oncology colleagues 
tell me that they're starting to see more patients presenting later, kind of in the course of a, a new presentation of cancer. So instead of coming with a single lump somewhere that can be removed, now there's a, a single lump with some spread to lymph nodes. And so that's the sort of thing that's going on. And, and you know, that's another sort of delayed part of the pandemic that I think will take a year or more, probably as long as it took the, the worst part of the pandemic to occur that much time again, or maybe even longer to get caught up and get, get care. But if you're listening today and you know you're behind and you keep getting your prescription refilled uh, for your blood pressure or your heart or your diabetes, and it's been a long time since you've seen your provider, please make an appointment today, get in, uh, get those things taken care of. Thanks everyone. Juno, you are next, go ahead. Yes, thank you for taking my question. Um, going back to the vaccine data and reporting, um, for those who aren't registered at vaccinenm.org but are getting the vaccine, are, is the state dependent on those people self-reporting or do you have other means of getting that data? And how confident are you that there's not a significant number of people right now who have been vaccinated that you have absolutely no data on at this point? Thank you. Thank you, Juno. It's a great question. And so we have NIMSs. So once someone gets vaccinated here in the state, the provider delivering the vaccine is required to enter that information into our information system, NIMSs. And so that's our way of keeping track. But you're correct. We have to keep our eye on how many people went out of the state to get vaccinated and we don't have that data. And so we're working on that currently. I would add too that remember on our vaccine dashboard, we have the totals at the top, but then we have the state vaccination rates and the federal vaccination rates. We have exquisitely detailed data on people uh, vaccinated in the state with state supply of vaccine. We have limited detail on federal. And so, uh, but that's why we count them separately. And we have algorithms to make sure we're not double counting but uh, I do think that's an important point and we, and we hope to, uh, uh, that's why I sort of asked everybody to check their own website, make sure you can print one of these reports that will help us. Uh, but it's possible that you're not in the state system but counted under the federal um, side of things. Certainly 100% if you were vaccinated through the Indian Health Service and then most people vaccinated at our pharmacy will be in that federal count. And that may be the reason uh, you can't print this report out of NIMSIS at the present time. But you can confirm that you are in the system uh, by checking with the provider who gave you that vaccine. Thank you. And I believe we're at our last question. We have Dan McKay with the Albuquerque Journal. Um, Dan, go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my question. Um, what would be the consequence if we don't hit the 60% by Thursday? Um, does that mean we won't fully reopen on July 1st? Um, would you consider moving forward with a reopening on that day if we're at, I don't know, 59.4 or 59.6? Um, uh, the gist is what happens if we don't make the, make the goal? Yeah, I can start on that one. I, you know, Dan, it ain't over till it's over. And so we're working really hard on this. I think at the end of the day, the governor 
has been probably more involved in the pandemic in this state at a very granular level than maybe any other governor in the whole country. I can't, I don't know all the other governors, so I can't say that with confidence, but she is really on top of this. She understands the epidemiology. She understands the vaccination. She understands immunization rates. So we'll all sit down on Friday after we get the Thursday data in and take a look at where we're at. And uh, I'm confident that we'll end up with uh, doing the right thing for the people in New Mexico. So I know clearly I did not answer your question in the way you were hoping I would, but that really is the answer. Tracy. No, I agree. Yes, we will definitely look at the data on Friday. So just stay tuned for further updates. Thank you. Okay, that is our last question. So I want to thank everyone for participating today, including the secretaries and the interpreters and our media partners. Um, Our next COVID press update will be sometime in early July. Um, So keep an eye out for that announcement. And then before we close, I'd like to um, check in one more time with Secretary Collins first, and then Secretary Grace to see if they'd like to make some closing comments. Yes, thank you, Alex. And I really appreciate the time to speak with you today. I want to encourage New Mexicans who are ready for their booster or past due, please go and get that second shot this week or get J&J and let's keep going to Mexico. We're gonna make it. And I'm just really encouraged. Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to end by thanking our media partners. Uh, Many of you have been uh, with us since the beginning. Uh, You sort of feel like family to me. And uh, you're a really important part of this as well, helping us get the word out, helping us get the word out about um, the incentives, helping us get the word out about the sweepstakes when those results come out. I think at this point, we're really working with people who have up to this point been somewhat undecided about whether or not to get the vaccine. Uh, There are our population that we're really trying to reach out uh, to. I'm hoping you'll take some of the data today about the difference with the Delta variant and effectiveness of vaccines with one dose and two doses. I'm hoping you'll encourage your readers and listeners and viewers to uh, make this the moment that they talk with their trusted health advisor and make that decision to move forward with the vaccine. I think we can do this. Uh, I think we can get there. We just need really everyone to help us do it. And I want to thank you all in advance for what you've already done. Sorry, I want to thank you for what you've already done. And then thank you in advance for the coverage you're going to provide over the next 48 hours. And with that, I think we're done, Alex, and we'll see you in two or three weeks. Bye, everyone. Thank you.